Welcome to the Modern Enterprise Podcast. This is a podcast tailored for enterprise IT leaders and decision makers wanting to transform their organization into a more modern and agile enterprise where software drives the innovation. This podcast is hosted by Krish Subramanian, founder and chief research analyst of Risha.Research, a research firm focused on modern IT stacks and artificial intelligence. In this podcast, we will talk about the trends reshaping the IT landscape that falls in line with the modern enterprise framework, advocated by Risha.Research. For more information on our research, please visit www.risha.com. You can read our research articles at www.stacksense.io. We are reinventing industry research, for the data-driven world, by opening up our data and research process through GitHub. We encourage you to join us in our research, by starting our repos or doing a pull request whenever appropriate. This will get your voices heard in our research process. You can find out repos at www.github.com slash You can also watch our videos and webinar recordings at www.risha.tv. Please subscribe to this podcast at anchor.fm slash modern enterprise. Let us now move on to today's show. In this episode of Modern Enterprise Podcast, I talk with Corey Scoble, who is from Chef. He hits the product there. Corey, welcome to Modern Enterprise Podcast, and I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you. Thanks, Chris. Great to be here. Can you talk a little bit about you and uh, Chef? People are familiar with Chef, but uh, for the sake of uh, introduction, like uh, if you can talk a little bit about the role you are playing in sh- shaping the strategy in Chef, sure. that would be good. Yeah, so, so I, you know, I just had my first year anniversary with Chef um, a, a couple of weeks ago, um, and I joined the company really to help scale out the, the product strategy overall. Um, and so, you know, Chef has been doing some really, really great things in the DevOps space for a long time. Um, and you know, m- my role is, has been to help sort of facilitate that and really guide us towards the enterprise client base that's largely using our, our software today. Awesome. I've been following Chef for a long time, probably ever since its inception. And um, uh, sometime back, I was a big advocate of platform as a service, and I saw Chef playing a role in the inf- I- IaaS plus kind of an approach to platform. So, like, I used to wonder, like, uh, with the infra, as we are, we are focusing more and more on platform. Chef is looking only talking about the infrastructure. Chef, not just Chef, Ansible, Puppet, everyone, uh, they were they were talking only on the infrastructure. I used to wonder, like, uh, how, how is it going to fit in a world dominated by containers and application platform? And then Chef shifted gears and started uh, talking about an application-centric approach to infrastructure. I thought that was uh, really interesting, and I would love to hear from you, what do you mean by application, application-centric uh, approach to infrastructure and how Chef fits into that world and uh, how uh, probably you can lay out your products and talk about uh, that kind of an approach. Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, that predates me a little bit at Chef, but yeah, I think, you know, it took us a while to kind of get our, our head around the shift that was actually happening in, in the technology space in general. Um, Containerization really changed the game, specifically around infrastructure and, and sort of simplifying that. Um, and, you know, Chef grew up on, on some basic philosophies, which is that um, things should be expressed as code. We believe that about infrastructure. We believe that about, about security and compliance. And we believe that about applications of the, of the future. But what was interesting is, is when Chef was born and Ansible and, and 
puppets and all of those technologies were sort of in their infancy, it was really about like, how do I get my systems configured? And then what very quickly happened is that it, that evolved into, okay, now I've got systems configured. How do I actually get the software onto the systems in a reliable and orchestrated way? Um, and and I, I think what the, the lesson that we learned at Chef was one that took us a while to actually triangulate on, which is that, um, that this systems, this bottom-up approach, and it's true for systems infrastructure, it's true for containers and everything, that this bottoms-up approach to building sort of a layer cake of software that's required to be on a system for an application to actually be successful um, has its limits in terms of the amount of complexity that you can push into that. And the larger the equation is, the more, um, the more challenges there are with dependency management in that environment, right? And so, you know, we like like others believe for a long time that the way that you did it is that you wrote basically scripts that allowed you to orchestrate the layers of, of software that you needed. First you needed system libraries, then you needed like package management on top of that, then you needed middleware, and then ultimately you, you layer on an application. The problem is that when you get into an environment that has many applications and possibly multiple applications running on the same systems, et cetera, the equation gets very, very fuzzy as to when you change something, can you actually manage that? And so for us, our journey was to learn not just that there were better ways to do that, but actually to understand that fundamentally that, that the approach of bottoms up was not the way to, be, to successfully deploy applications in an environment. And so what we did is we, we, took, we went off and sort of innovated and, and created Habitat as a project, which has the exact opposite shape to it. It says, look, an application is the center of the world, and what you should do is to find all the dependencies that come with that application all the way down to the system level of an operating system, and then package those all up and move them as an independent unit. And what that meant was that it actually changed the relationship between with Chef itself and the operating system, it had gotten it had grown very complex. Where the average customer would deploy in our world cookbooks, right? That's our our scripting language or our scripting methodology. Um, a, a customer would deploy, you know, a hundred cookbooks in their environment, and twenty of them would be about the operating system level and configuration, infrastructure, configuration management, and seventy or eighty of them would be about um, about application deployment. And so, by marrying these two technologies together, Habitat and Chef, we've actually have the ability to go back one to simplify the entire deployment topology and make it much easier to manage software on a system and two to be able to successfully deploy software regardless of where it sits in that stack whether it's middleware or systems services on the operating system or high value uh, business applications you can deploy any of that kind of software with habitat successfully and so for us like that journey took quite a while and it took a while for you know for us to even realize that we were solving the problem that was the problem of our own success at, at some level right so yeah totally and uh, in such an uh, application centric view can you sort of walk uh, our podcast is mainly listened by uh, modern enterprise decision makers and uh, uh, people like uh, who uh, want to embrace these modern stacks. So, like, can you walk uh, uh, listener through the journey 
of like how they can orchestrate uh, everything for an application in a more programmatic way. So uh, if you can sort of uh, bring it, but sort of like uh, bring it down to a level where people can okay, take a few sentences and grasp exactly what this approach is and how it is reshaping the way applications are deployed. That'll be great. Yeah. So look, there's a couple of things. First of all, I, I mentioned before our philosophy that everything should be code, right? And we believe that for a number of reasons. First of all, if you can describe something in code, it can be automated, right? Whether it's a system or a, uh, the security configuration of a system or in, in many cases, application itself. You should have a place that you can point to, that you can check into a source code repository and you can manage versioning on it that describes what that artifact on the output should be. Um, and so that is one of our core philosophies. Now, okay, so let's assume for a second that we all believe in that, right? And that we believe that you have this artifact that you, you can check into your source code management system, then what you should do is build automation around that. And so you should use your, your CICD tools and you should build automation that basically says, look, once a change is checked in for this, I know what to do. I need to go off, I need to compile the list of dependencies or whatever it is, pull all that stuff together. I need to deploy this in a, in a test environment. I need to check it, et cetera, et cetera. And so fundamentally, you know, we are looking the way that we approach that is exactly the way that we that everybody's been approaching it from a DevOps perspective for the last 10 years. Um, then the last part of that is about artifact management and then how do you get those artifacts into the actual operating environments themselves. Um, and I think one of the challenges has been that like in the container world, for example, so long as you build everything in exactly the same way and it goes through these pipelines and the artifact is unchanged from end to end, you're okay which is true, it's just really hard to do in the typical modern enterprise environment where you've got applications that are cloud native and built yesterday and you've got applications that are 20 years old. And, and the question is, do you, should you really be treating those things differently? Our, our philosophy is you shouldn't, that everything should be in a pipeline. Like what you want is end-to-end -end automation of everything so that changes are all source code commit, right? And then the, the, the automation pipeline works from there. Well, that's really hard to do for an application that you don't own the source code for and you're not compiling from scratch unless you have a technology like Habitat, like Chef Habitat, that allows you to basically wrap and package that application in a specific way, whether it's binaries or, or source code or whatever, whether you're building it from scratch or you're just packaging up like an actual running application. And so, I, you know, our philosophy is not unlike the philosophy that, 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 the container world and the and the DevOps movement have been preaching for quite some time, which is everything in a, in a pipeline, everything symmetrical, everything managed through source code commits. The only difference between ours and, and everybody else's is that we also don't believe that you should have to make a decision about what the operating environment is at the far at the front end of that pipeline. You should be able to bind to that operating environment at the back end of it. So what you want to do is take this artifact that represents an application and deploy it to a container on a Kubernetes cluster, you should be able to do that. If you want to deploy it to bare metal, you should be able to do that. And so, you know, that that's the big thing for us is fundamentally, you know, companies that are looking for velocity. Um, and if you're an IT decision maker today, I can't imagine that you wouldn't be looking for more velocity in your IT environment um, today. If you're looking for velocity, the secrets are 
automation comes from being able to, to articulate um, artifacts as code, number one. Number two is it gives you this ability for different parts of the organization. If you look at like the, the intersection of DevSecOps to communicate like developers, security and operations, they all speak different languages, but what can they, what can they agree on? They can collaborate on code, right? Cause that is, that is non-reputable essentially. Um, so it gives you a collaboration point for all of that. And then it's the, and then it's the philosophy that everything should be in a pipeline. And, and the only barrier to that is really having the right technology to be able to put things in a pipeline. That. That's a beautiful explanation given about how uh, DevSec and uh, security and operations can collaborate in the, say, uh, in, a, in an environment, even though their uh, lingua franca is completely different. Uh, and also like the fact that uh, you don't have to decide on your uh, underlying infrastructure in the beginning. I think that sort of fits very well in today's multi-cloud world with an organization using multiple cloud providers for different applications. So you don't have to uh, sort of like uh, stick to one cloud provider and probably adjust your needs based on what the cloud provider offers. So this makes it easy. Awesome. So let's shift some gears and probably talk a little bit about something that's a hot topic these days. That's like the open source in the cloud world. Like uh, there is a lot of confusion in the industry with the smaller companies struggling to keep up with the big large cloud providers, especially the companies that offer services that are based on open source software. From a more permissive license, they are more moving towards a uh, open core or even a proprietary kind of license, uh, putting the blame on large cloud providers and uh, how it is difficult to sort of like compete in a world like that. What is your take on that? Uh, I would love to, since Jeff is also an open source company uh, with uh, some proprietary uh, add-ons to it, like I would love to uh, get your take on that. What, what is your take on that? Yeah, so uh, definitely a hot topic in the industry these days, right? I mean, I think it's every week there's a new sort of um, a new headline from some company in the open source world about, you know, how they're trying to manage their, that, that the dichotomy of that relationship between open source software development and ultimately, you know, the commercial goals that they're trying to accomplish or the software distribution goals that they're trying to accomplish. It's not always about money for that matter. Like in many cases, it's about things other than money. Um, but ultimately there's a lot of tension there. And I think a lot of companies are really like, fighting hard to try and find what the right equation is um, on that front. Um, and it, it, you know, candidly, I don't think there's one answer for any that, to fit the industry in its entirety, right? Like the way that you need to, as an open source company, the way that we approach that is we look at our, we look at the body of work and our philosophy as an open source company. We look at the community engagement and the kind of behavior that we want to incent from that. We look at the target market that we're going after and the kind of customer that we want to attract. Ultimately, um, as a company who is a not who is a for-profit organization, you know, you have to look at like what is my monetization strategy, and there are lots of options there. Many com companies are are sort of pulling back from open source into more of an open core modality. That may or may not be the right option for them at that at, at any given time. I think others that are making the news recently are trying to. Um, there's been a few that have tried to sort of rewrite the boundary rules of what open source are, which is an interesting maneuver as well. I you know, I I 
I decline to opine on whether that's right or wrong because I think you know history will will figure that out for us. But ultimately, you know, it's definitely a play where what they believe in is open source, but at the same time, they're seeing challenges from in working with the major cloud service providers, and so they're trying to sort of bound that by the terms and conditions of the of the actual either the the software or the open source license itself, etc. So yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, you know, we, we watch very closely at Chef, obviously, um, one of the companies that has, has really been sort of for, at the forefront of, of open source development for more than a decade. Um, we have not just, I mean, we started with the Chef project, but then we have added two additional like mainstream open source projects that have a tremendous uh, following and, and a lot of, of activity going on in them with, uh, with InSpec and Habitat as well. So needless to say, we have, you know, we have some skin in the game on this for sure. That sort of brings us to the big announcement you're, you're making today. So like, uh, can you talk about that announcement and uh, tell us how it ties into the thought process you had around uh, open source? I know you guys are watching uh, all the activity in open source. And uh, I thought uh, the direction you are going is like, uh, so much different from what other companies are doing. So probably this could set a new path for companies to think in terms of what they can do with open source. Can you talk about today's announcement? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, we're really excited. Today's a big day for us at Chef. Um, we're, we're announcing a couple of things. One, first and foremost, is that we're actually pivoting towards the open source um, uh, focus. So. Chef was established as an open source company. Um, we've spent our time sort of in, in uh, the middle ground in sort of with some proprietary software and some open source projects, as I mentioned before. Um, where we're going now is 100% open source. So all of the products that we develop, the customer facing software that we develop, we're committing, all, our, our plans are to commit all of that to open source under an Apache 2.0 license. Um, we believe that the best way and, and this gets back to philosophical beliefs, right? So for us, the number one philosophical belief is the best way to produce software um, is to do it in collaboration with the people that actually use the software. And it actually gets back to something that I mentioned earlier, you know, when we talked about the DevSecOps triangle and like they can collaborate on code. Well, this is, we, we believe that about us and our customer base as well. The best way that we can collaborate with our customer base is via code. So not only are we open sourcing the projects, but we're really open sourcing our entire product development process. So what we want to do is show like from the get-go, from conception through to to code delivery into the projects themselves, we want that to be a transparent and collaborative process with our customers and with our contributors and our open source community members overall. The second part of that announcement is that we are actually, so we'll be later in April, we'll be releasing new versions of Chef, Inspec and Habitat Project as well as Automate as well. Um, those will all just just be preceding ChefConf, which is in uh, on May 20th, 20th to 23rd in Seattle this year. And so we'll be releasing new versions of that software with that with this latest distribution being focused primarily on enterprise customers. So what that means is that um, we're changing up the terms and conditions of our licensing so that we're really focused on those enterprise customers that want a turnkey distribution of the software. We believe that 
that our customers, as an open source company, we believe that our customers want a, a relationship with us because they want four things. They want the best way to get Chef software in the, on the planet because we are the experts in building and, and deploying Chef software. I can guarantee you that. Um, and number two is that they want access to our, our vast uh, and, and our future capabilities with respect to content services. So we have a lot of content um, that we're really now manicuring and making super easy to consume and turnkey for customers. So one of the things that, that people in the past have always experienced with Chef or Inspec or Habitat is it's been kind of like, here's a great engine, but bring your own content. Now we're really gonna provide a first class enterprise class update service with, with respect to that content so that you can always be on the latest sort of hardening cookbooks, that kind of stuff, um, inspect profiles, et cetera. Um, customers want access to our global body of knowledge about enterprise automation. We have some of the smartest people in the industry that know, you know, I talked about how do you get your enterprise, your legacy applications into modern day DevOps pipelines. Like nobody in the world is better at, at teaching customers how to do that and how to go through that motion um, than chefs organization from everything from customer success to our professional services organization, our support organization, et cetera. And then of course, customers want like assurance and support and security for if you're deploying mission critical software in an enterprise environment, of course you want like assurance and, um, and you want um, uh, support enterprise class support 24 by seven enterprise class support. And so all of those things are the reasons that we believe customers will choose chefs commercial distribution of software. Um, and so what that means going forward is that um, we're sort of taking, charting a new path for the next chapter of Chef, 100% open source, all of our intellectual property is in um, public repositories and our software development process is completely transparent. And then we're gonna focus our, our turnkey software distribution on enterprise customers that wanna have a, a commercial relationship with Chef fundamentally. Um, and for those that don't, um, you know, this is the reason it's open source. It's free and open source software. So if you would like to have the software, then, you know, this is, it's all the source code, all the intellectual property is out there in the world. Awesome. Uh, this is uh, totally interesting in the sense that when everyone is going in one direction where they are reducing the uh, openness that's uh, available with their uh, pro products and community, you are going in the other direction. And uh, I think uh, this is definitely going to change the conversation regarding open source in the cloud world. So I am uh, really excited about uh, listening to these conversation and this is a fantastic news. So before we sort of uh, wind down, one last question. So I'm a big uh, believer in the few, in a future where it will, everything will be more autonomic. Uh, with uh, IBM misused the word autonomic computing, but uh, the thing is, like, uh, I believe that the future is uh, there, somewhere down there, uh, if not immediately. Uh, so with the AIOps gaining traction and uh, more uh, uh, code-centric approach to provisioning our infrastructure for the application. So do you expect Chef to play a role in that world? Like, uh, what are your thoughts on that kind of a future where uh, uh, the uh, ML and EA apply to observability and other uh, things being used along with this programmatic approach to infrastructure portioning. So where does this all lead to? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we have, um, so again, I, I mentioned before, we've, we've really sort of expanded the product portfolio at Chef because we believe that autonomic computing, if you know, if that's what we would call it, or 
automation, enterprise automation is really the future of where most enterprises will be going. Um, and so like we've done it in a very specific way that really is so broadly applicable to all of the various different parts of, of IT software management, like from the infrastructure all the way up to the applications. Um, and we're going to continue to push those boundaries, right? I, I see a future where, you know, everything from, just as an example, we have a project that Chef has long sponsored called Test Kitchen, which is an amazing open source tool for being able to test as it turns out, chef cookbooks, but also all kinds of other stuff. It's a fantastic test framework. Um, and so like I see testing as a possibility for expansion of our product portfolio in the future as one example, right? I think we work, you know, closely with um, companies like HashiCorp and others where they have automation that is built around other aspects of, of the sort of the computing stack that chef doesn't. Um, doesn't necessarily cover today and I see us you know continuing to sort of build into that ecosystem and environment so we've been doing some really great work with you know, with github and with the, the Jenkins community in the past and with Microsoft and the Azure DevOps stuff and I just I see so much so much upside there and then the last thing is we you know we have um, we've been playing around with the idea that so it started with DevOps and then we have DevSecOps and now there's, you know, there's sort of burgeoning GitOps kind of, of, of uh, play in the industry. And another one that we see is possibly emerging and, and Chris, maybe this is going to be um, the point where we look back on this podcast and say, this is where that term was coined. I don't know. But there's this whole idea of app ops for the future, right? Because if it's an application centric environment or if it's about the software as much as it is about the systems, then really the control point becomes the application and the changes in the application. And so, you know, we'll see what the future holds, but I think that there's a future for something along the lines of app ops as we, as we move forward to. I, I love the idea of app ops. Like I think uh, that's sort of like, uh, uh, I come from the past world. So it sort of inverts the whole thing. And uh, instead of uh, having an infrastructure centric approach, like uh, you, you look at, look down from the application and, uh, orchestrate everything needed for the application. I love the term. And thanks a lot, Corey. It's great talking to you. I'm looking forward to talking to you more during the ChefConf. I think there are some sessions where we analyze it with you and talk to you about where you guys are going. This is pretty exciting and I'm looking forward to that conference. For those of you who are listening, ChefConf is happening in Seattle this time. If you're going to be there, Get in touch with me. I would love to talk to you about how you are using Chef and probably record a video or two about it. Thanks, Corey. It's great. It's a great conversation. Thanks, Chris. Great talking to you. Thanks to other sponsors of StackSense.io for their continued support. Thanks to Cloud Fabrics and Core Stack for their support. You can learn more about Cloud Fabrics at www.cloudfabrics.com and Core stack at www.corestack.io